Hello. I thought it might be a good time to share a little bit about presence as a key to health and well-being. Whether physical, emotional or mental. And maybe talk about one of the biggest destabilizing factors when it comes to our own presence. And that would be fear. And really, you could say fear is contagious in that we can pass fear to others and accept fear from others. It's a kind of vibrational force that we can resonate with and which in turn affects our well-being and our health. Because when we identify with fear, we really come into sympathetic activation. Our body can go into fight or flight agitation, or even worse into shutdown, into depression or negativity or freeze. And really, if your body and your vital energy start to go into that process of fight or flight, it has been shown to directly affect your immune system and your capability to handle any viruses or pathogens or so really a key to your health is to be present this helps your immune system also helps your vital energies your emotions and your mental state because when we're in fight or flight or agitated or shut down we don't have the same mental resources and capabilities and creative streak, we tend to get into an isolative mode, which can make people feel even more disconnected and really that's one of the biggest elements of this fear is that it isolates and it contracts the self, contracts the sense of I into a kind of fearful I. Now, on top of any fear can be other attitudes such as sadness or anger or efforting or worry, anxiety. But really, for me, I found that underneath all of these is always fear, that element of fear. And I know from my own life, fear was one of the biggest challenges to overcome fear. not just at a mental level, but also in a vital and physical way as well. How do we let go of all these contracting, fearful energies in our system? Often fearful patterns or negative thinking that we've inherited from family or culture or environment growing up. 
And for me, that's part of the process of awakening, to really uncover these patterns or these fears and really to not identify with them, as in make them real, make them mine, say, this is what I am, but to recognize them from a position of calm detachment where you have the ability to recognize them for what they are and also to offer them up in a way you could say to transcend them that they no longer bind you, contract you And for that we can't be projected into the future, dispersing our energies into probabilities and catastrophizing or too much in the past, bringing all pain from memories, emotions with us. But really, the key is to be present, to be in any moment. And really, when you're present, you are not spreading fear, or you're not accepting fear in. It doesn't mean we're not practical and take steps we need to to facilitate a kind of resolution of any problem in the moment, but then we're coming from a place of response, not reactivity when we're present. There's a powerful magnetism to group fear, the dynamic of it. When we're in the presence of a crowd that is fearful, then we start to resonate with that. If we have not really cultured or trained our own presence in any situation, it's very easy, you know, to be present when and on the meditation mat or in a nice environment or retreat, but to be present with whatever's happening and to deal with it appropriately. and to not lose connection to our own deepest nature. To touch in with the beauty of any moment. It's often when fearful situations or events happen in life that were tested. Really there are opportunities to cleanse fear from the system. Because often when people, community or nation or the world is threatened in some way, feels fearful, a lot of our unconscious, unprocessed material comes to the surface. So in a way it's a very valuable opportunity to not let it simply be identified with and fed with 
more negativity and fear, but to really to bring our own presence to bear on it. One lovely way to do that is always to have part of our attention on our inner body awareness to be in tune or in touch with our inner landscape, to know how our body feels and emotions and what our thought frequencies are. It's just to give ourselves that little pause, a little distance that we're not kind of velcroed onto any situation or event. And really, the opportunity lies in, can we extract the best from any situation? How can we use it to evolve ourselves, to transform and to awaken? And really, those who can remain present in, present in times of distress or fear, that their beacons, their presence is a light and it's bringing a different frequency or energy to bear in society. And how we help cultivate that in ourselves, there's many ways. But one is always, you know, the word satsang is used and satsang is to keep good company. And keep good company doesn't always mean just the people in our presence at that moment. It also means, for me, is what company do we keep with television, with news, with internet? What do we allow ourselves to be in company with all day? Do we feed ourselves a diet of fear, negativity, catastrophizing, violence? because it's very evident how much time we give to these things, how it affects our mental, emotional and physical states and the presence that can shine through. Because when we're very much rooted in a fearful poise, it creates a cloud that our, our inner light or presence cannot come through as easy. So it's always very important, I feel, to ask ourselves what time out of every day are we allowing to cultivate that presence, that awakeness, that aliveness in us, that's not beautiful. And this is something we discover as we 
come to those first steps of coming into a witnessing presence and being able to see the transitory nature of all life. Not as a way to dismiss life, but to know that it, nature is that it changes. It is always transforming. And health and ill health and life and death are part of it. There are cycles and rhythms to nature that often our rational human intellect cannot fully comprehend. We often feel it's not fair or there's something wrong in it. But when you can come back to a deeper witnessing poise, deeper yet to the soul, you recognize that from this position we can grow. From any experience we encounter, we can grow, whether that the mind labels that experience positive or negative, the soul can extract nutrient from it. I know from my own life, some of the biggest growths and awakenings came from moments of defeat, humiliation, that it weakened the hold of the ego and gave me time to pause and consider and to let go of all ways. This isn't always easy, but for me I don't feel the soul comes here just for a good time or an easy time. It comes to evolve, grow, to express and experience all life has to offer. And also to bring our own soul's wisdom, our own inner light to bear in the world. How can we influence the world? And you could say this living presence at the heart of our being really is a gift we can bring to the world. It's not that it's for us in isolation and meditation, but it's for us as we're active in the world to share. Share with our community or friends and however may we may feel to help or assist. For me, I feel it's very important never to allow the fear or anxiety or frustrations that we face to dimmer appreciation of the beauty and the mystery and intelligence of this life. And allow any experiences or events to really give us pause to consider or contemplate purpose and meaning. 
even as far as to contemplate, well, who am I really? Uh, the way I'm living my life, is it, is it a value to me? Is the best expression I can bring to bear? And one of the biggest fears, I suppose, we all have is the fear of the unknown. What will happen? I don't feel safe. It's that sense of security. But often that vibration of insecurity is the very root of the ego. That sense of separation that we feel. I'm alone and I'm, I'm in danger. Yet the moment we come back to this presence, there's this connectedness, this openness, this awareness. You know, as humans we have quite complex structures of the mind and interrelations them with the emotions that we can, our very imaginings, imagining of what might happen, catastrophizing, actually has a physical impact, an emotional impact. So in a way we have to be very careful about what we imagine because it's the minute we imagine it we're having an effect on our emotions and physicality. We're sending them signals of oh, danger, lack. You know, this is left over from more animalistic nature that we need a fight or flight response to respond to imminent threat or danger. And then once that danger is over, we can shake it off and come out of activation. But as humans, we have kind of lost touch with that ability and we tend to ruminate, turn things around in our mind again and again. So bringing that presence to bear in our own mind where we just detach from thoughts. And as we detach from them, they become less energized. Because when we give our attention to any thought or emotion, we can actually energize it, we make it more real. And 
as we learn to come back to this witnessing position, we also can recognize that we have the power to accept or reject any thought or emotion that if it's not in line with our deepest realization, any fearful thought or emotion we can reject it. We just say, no, thank you. And then that's our free will to give ourselves to any thought or emotion or to really to be our own gardener of our inner landscape. That there's certain thoughts, emotions, plants that we don't water or feed as we don't want them to grow and we tend that which we find beautiful and true and good. Not in a kind of outer moralistic sense but from our own inner sense of what is true for us. I feel that in the coming years this is going to be more and more important. That as individuals we have that choice, that responsibility to really amend what we give ourselves to. What do we give ourselves to? Do we surrender to these patterns of behavior that are often culturally and ancestrally embedded in us? Or do we really evolve them, clarify them, and bring our own presence, our own higher awareness to bear on them. So, what would it be like to live without fear? So, I propose an experiment for you. To, we could call it the fearless experiment. That we just not give ourselves to fear for whatever period of time you like. You can name it a day, a week, an hour that you really watch your inner landscape and not give yourself to fear and the other attitudes to go with it, maybe anxiety or frustration. Not in a, a passive way that we detach from our activity in the world, we still engage in the world but from a place of calm and peace. 
you could call it soulful living. And there are many different ways to really come back to this presence. And whichever way suits us best, the point is to come back to it. And also have the kind of earnestness there, one-pointedness to Come back to it again and again as needs be. To really become conscious how we hand over our own presence to these patterns that are loud, crying, vying for attention. It's like going down a rabbit hole, we don't know where it's going to lead and we get pulled along and we can lose a day, a week, a month, a year and we're caught in cycles of fearfulness, depression, anger, selfishness. So if you're interested in the experiment of living without fear, be your own testimony, try it and see. I know from my own awakenings that the fear, and especially fear of the unknown, was the biggest challenge. How to take a step into that you do not know, where there is no guarantee, where you cannot see or predict, because the mind cannot go there. Not the level of mind, the rational level of mind. Not to dismiss the ra rational level of mind, it's, it's a useful instrument, a useful tool. And when it's honed and directed, it's, it's fantastic assistance. But this fear of the unknown which is often fear of our own spiritual nature, gets reflected in society as fear the unknown, other, nation, person, life path, new illnesses, projects. we back away or scramble to somehow make it fit in a box.
yet the movements of nature can never truly be controlled or contained in the way we imagine from a limited standpoint from this poise of ego that always feels like it's somehow in a wrestling match with nature, the forces of the world. For me, I understand that nature, this transforming energy, which includes this body and mind and emotions, is the material aspect of the Divine Mother that if we can see past the surface layer of nature and that there is deeper rhythms and intelligence that we could have ever imagined and there's also a power there, a Shakti a love that is polishing us allowing for our soul to develop, grow, to wake up, to wake in, and to embody that which we awaken to. And the way I understand it is that I'm always in the arms of the Mother, the Divine Mother, this nature, here I am. And I'm not at odds with this. Yet, another aspect is that I'm not confined to it. I'm not limited by it. You could say this nature allows for the divine to express itself. And part of that expression includes earthquakes, storms, illnesses, accidents. You know, and I feel like we've come out of that time where the values are somehow we're being punished for being sinners when things go wrong. I understand it that there are karmic laws in place and these aren't retribution or punishment. They're opportunity for soul growth. That as we saw so shall we reap, that what we give out comes back, in that we're showing what we hold inside. Nature is like a mirror to us, and this is what you're holding.
and for me this is done out of love. That the Divine Feminine consents to wear the mask of ignorance in nature, in its lower form is often called Prakriti, to allow for the soul to blossom. But as we progressively awaken, we also awaken to the depth and beauty of nature. And we come back into more a harmony of, it's not what we can just take from nature, but what can we give? What is our relationship to nature and the world at large? Is it a selfish one, which means just self-centered, egoic? Am I thinking about me, myself, my family, my tribe, my friends, or can we come more from a place of real connectedness or oneness. And of course, the biggest story that runs along in fear is, you know, it's fear of our own mortality because we're identified with this instrumental nature, this body, this mind and physical. We take it to be all that we are and we see that it's time bound. We know there's death but we try to push that aside, we kind of push it into a shadow. We don't want to think about that because Really, it's an egoic move to try keep us separate from fully recognizing that there is an aspect of ourself that does not come and go. And we can live with that knowledge. not as a way to avoid life, but to really live life fearlessly. So, that's just some thoughts this morning. I just had a feeling to speak. I wasn't sure what I was going to say, but this is what's in my heart this morning. And wherever you are, wherever you are, I love this with you. Thank you.